0: Please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel. This is from Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. King Herod heard of Jesus' works of power, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the Baptizer has been raised from the dead. And for this reason, these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in a prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her For John had been telling Herod it is not lawful for you to be your brother for you to have your brother's wife And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him But she could not for Herod feared John knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and he protected him When Herod heard John, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. And when his daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he solemnly swore to her, whatever you ask of me, I will give to you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved. Yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb." This is one of our gospel stories, but it is not the only story. Thanks be to God. In case you were wondering, there is no shortage of historical paintings depicting the decapitated John the Baptist. I discovered this while searching for artwork for the front of your worship guide, and I was amazed or alarmed at how many images of this particular scene are available. I mean, every week I have to search the interwebs high and low for a single non white portrayal of Jesus, but finding a headless John? No problem. However, I couldn't seem to find a single image of his head on a platter that would inspire us to worship God. (laughs) So I selected instead this image of Herodias and her daughter because I found their faces so striking. But the truth is I had to crop it for the worship guide because in the bottom of the painting is, you guessed it, the head of John the Baptist, quite unattached to his body. And in this particularly jarring rendition, the daughter's hand rests on the hilt of a sword or a knife as if she herself did the beheading. You might think she might as well have done it herself since the beheading was at her request, but as is so often the case, there is much more to the story than a simple murder. But before we dissect the gloomy details, why tell this story at all? It's so very gruesome, so bloody there wasn't a single painting of the scene that felt appropriate for the context of worship. And so why retell the story at all as a part of our worship Why have artists through the centuries been fascinated enough to paint it? And perhaps more importantly, why is it in our Bible? Why did the writer of the gospel feel compelled to include this horrendous tale? Interestingly, the biblical account begins not with the facts of the case, but with Herod's misunderstanding about it. The story begins with the ending, because after John is beheaded, Herod hears about Jesus and Jesus' acts of power, and Herod thinks Jesus must be John, raised from the dead. Perhaps as cousins they looked alike, but more than that, they preached alike. They both proclaimed with power and authority and with seemingly no fear of the consequences. John had preached against Herod's marriage to his brother's wife, which was a dangerous sort of thing on which to offer a public opinion. Jesus, likewise, had no trouble telling truth to power. So when Herod heard about Jesus, he thought, it must be John all over again, even though he knew good and well John was dead since Herod himself had seen to it. And so perhaps the fact that Herod thinks there has been a resurrection foreshadows for us the actual resurrection, which will happen later. And perhaps that is why Mark chose to include this story about John the Baptist and Herod. However, if that's the case, it seems a bit of a crass way to foreshadow resurrection, given the fact that John remains quite dead. And so perhaps this is not to foreshadow Christ's resurrection, rather it foreshadows his death. For if Herod will kill John at the mere request of a young girl, Jesus is anything but safe. But did Mark really need to go into all that gruesome detail just to give us a heads up that things might go sour for Jesus? Couldn't he have spared us a bit of the blood and guts? I would like to suggest that Mark would have done us a disservice had he failed to record the truth. There is a reason we tell difficult stories about things like murders and holocausts and lynchings and bombings. And it isn't just to be graphic for graphic's sake. For one thing, victims in these stories deserve to be remembered, deserve to have their stories told. They deserve for us to take time with their stories, for us to face the violence in humanity that we might learn to confront the violence in ourselves. The nature of the gospel is to reveal rather than to conceal human wickedness and dysfunction. The nature of the gospel is radical truth-telling. And as we see in John's story, radical truth-telling doesn't win you any prizes. We see both in Jesus and in John that the gospel clashes with political power. If you are a follower of Jesus, you can expect conflict with those in power. And then we see in Herod a metaphor of the rich and powerful who are more committed to maintaining their reputations than maintaining integrity. He's more interested in saving face than in saving life. What kind of idiot offers up half his kingdom to a dancing girl? A drunk idiot, of course. Drunk and lustful. We mustn't think of this dance as an innocent ballet recital. This was the kind of dance that made men stupid. This was the kind of dance no daughter should ever be asked to perform for her stepfather and his friends. I've wondered what Herod would have done if she had asked for half his kingdom. Since that would have impacted him and diminished his power, I'm going to guess he would have found a way out of keeping that promise had she asked him to share his dominion. But instead, she asked for something that was easier for a powerful man to stomach, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. It's not that Herod wanted him dead. The storyteller makes it clear that up until that point, it was Herod who was keeping John alive. Mark sounds almost sympathetic to Herod, as if Herod were doing John a favor by keeping him in prison and away from his murderous wife. But when caught off guard with a request to deliver John's head on a platter in the middle of a party in front of his guests, I suspect Herod was afraid that saying no would make him look weak.